Welcome to X Chateau. X Chateau. The podcast that navigates the business of wine with unique perspectives and insights. With your host, Robert Vernick and Peter Young. Welcome to this episode of X Chateau. And we're continuing our series on talking with wine influencers across the world. And today we have a special guest. Georgia Panagopolo, otherwise known as Wine Genie, who's one of the top Instagram accounts with over 100,000 followers and is a huge communicator for the wine industry. Welcome to the show, Georgia. Hi, Robert. Hi, Peter. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm very happy to be with you and I'm very excited to discuss about wine communication and wine influencing. So I'm curious on how you got into wine in the first place. Is this something that you started from? Did you come from a winemaking family? Uh, so I get this question a lot and not really. My background is very diverse. It has nothing to do with wine. I started from engineering. So I studied chemical engineering here in Greece, in Athens. And during my studies as an engineer, I had the opportunity to do my Erasmus course. Do you know Erasmus? So I did my exchange program in Spain, in Valencia. At the point that I was in Valencia, opposite from my university, it was the enologist department. So I started having friends from this department and being an Erasmus student, I started traveling a lot in Spain and it was the first time that we did some uh, wine traveling. I was at this point that I wasn't sure if I wanted to be a chemical engineer and while traveling in the wineries, etc., I saw people working in the vines, working in the wine tourism. And I thought to myself, oh my God, is this a business? Can I actually you know, make a career out of it? But at this point, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. So I finished my studies. I have a master's degree in engineering. And then I decided to start working for companies like Coca-Cola in Greece, which also sell beverages, wines, spirits. So I started being more on the commercial side. I work a bit on the commercial side and a bit on the marketing side in different industries. And then I decided that I wanted to do something in the wine section. So I quit my corporate life here in Greece and I decided to move to Santorini. And this is how everything started. That's still Greece, isn't it? It's Greece. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) The only reason I've heard of Erasmus is because I love the movie Le Berge Espagnol. Have you seen that movie? The French movie? Yes. yes, yes. (laughs) Have you seen it, Robert? No. Oh, so that was your life, right? It was a constant love triangle and (laughs) people running away from each other. I don't know. (laughs) It's a funny movie. It's a French movie. But you also did some wine education, right? You have a master's in wine from the OIV. Yes. I had actually never heard of that before understanding and reviewing your background. Can you tell us about that? What is that? Of course. So as I told you, I moved to Santorini. And for me, it was a super turning point in my career because it was the first time that I started working in the wine industry. And Santorini is like, let's say, the trademark brand for Greece. So all the winemakers move there, all the interns, all the people who want to enter in the marketing. So it's a place that a lot of people who want to make it in the wine business, they start from there. So I moved there knowing nothing about wine, but the winery trusted me because I told them that this is what I want to do. I want to enter in the business, but I don't know what I want to do yet. (laughs) So they trusted me. 
I moved to Santorini and I was working again in the communication, hospitality. So I did the WSET course, level one and two. And when the season in Santorini ended, I thought to myself, okay, it's a great industry. You met amazing people. I had so much inspiration, stimuli, but I want to take it to the next level. But again, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I found this program, which is the Masters of OIVE. OIVE is the International Organization of Viticulture and Viticulture and Enology, I think, OIVE. OIVE is the International Organization of Vines and Viticulture. So I applied for this master's degree and I moved in France and I started my diploma. So this diploma is very particular. It includes traveling in 30 wine countries around the world. And this is how I started Wine Genie. So what is the content of this master's program? Is it more like, is it about wine or is it like a business program or? So this program is very particular because it addresses normally to people who want to start a business in the wine or they have already a business. So imagine that I had uh, colleagues in this program that they were people from families from super important chateau, for example. So it's a program that it's mainly addressed to French people because most of the classes are in, in French. However, it's an international program, but it's good for you to know also French. So this program is a master's in wine management. Got so, it. Okay, so it's more like an entrepreneurship program for people who are, want to either start a wine business or are already in a winemaking family or established wine family. In general, it's a program that is... Look, I have studied a lot in my life. So in many universities, <laughs> I have done many things. And I, I believe that in terms of the education, I don't know if you agree also with that because you also are really well-educated people. I think that you get what you want out of each, each type of study. So in this program, that it wasn't, let's say, a formal academic education, but it was more about traveling in 30 countries and, and starting to notice and starting to review, let's say, each wine country, you get a very wide perception about the wine industry. And each participant, because we had people that were masters of wine, we had people who were journalists, people who had their own uh, wine importing company, people who had their own winery. So it was a diverse group of people who were doing different questions. So we were visiting, as I told you, 30 countries. And in each country, we had some contacts. So we would go to wineries, to the universities, to wine importing companies. So it's a program that builds a whole network for you. Interesting. So yes, and after this program, what people told me since the beginning, because, you know, it was a program that it was a great investment, you know, money-wise, time-wise and everything. So before I entered this program, all the people told me, you know, Georgia, it's in your hands what you're going to do afterwards and how you're going to take advantage of all these things that you're going to gain out of this. So for me, what I noticed in each country that we were visiting was the lack of wine communication. And you said based on that is why you started your Instagram account, Wine Genie? No, I started my account because at the point that I started the account was the point that I started traveling. So the moment that I was accepted in this program, 
I started the account because I wanted to share with the people this experience. That was the, <laughs> that was the only intention. Oh, okay. So it was really just your own personal account to document your travels. Okay. And then, and then what happened? Like, how did you, how did you go from there to a hundred thousand people following you? Like, what was the catalyst that sparked? I think it's a result of many things. So when I started this account was in 2017 and 2017 was, I think also a starting point for the wine industry to start realizing a bit the power of social media. But it was again the beginning. So what I noticed is that when I started my account, there were also some similar accounts, people from my generation, millennials, who also started communicating wine in a different way. So I think that out of intuition, people from my generation weren't, I don't know, satisfied. Something wasn't, we couldn't relate to the way that people were communicating wine to us. So we started communicating in a different way. And I think that when it comes to my account, because I have also analyzed a lot, you know, what I have done, etc. I think that since the beginning, without realizing what I was doing, there was a strategy. So there was a lot of storytelling in the way that I was communicating with, to the people. And I started building a brand based on values. And millennials, when they want to trust the brand, they really want to relate. So I think that, of course, I could speak you know, to my generation. But after that, I mean, there is a lot of trust from the industry as well. So there are many, many things that, of course, now I do them and I have a strategy in mind. But I can tell you that in the beginning, I think that it was a success because I was, I had my own unique voice. And now you're a digital creator, marketer. Is that, that's your full-time job? So now I do two things. I work both uh, as a, I don't like the term influencer so much. I think that. Yeah, no one does. I think that, you know, influencers are people who are people who can really, that we really care about their opinion and that we are willing to listen to them, even if we don't agree with them. So I think that there are people who have a, a voice that really, really matters. So I think that what I do really, really well is that I know how to market things. I know about digital, I know about wine. And what I really try to do in the end is engineering. So I have really thought about it, you know. And I think that my mindset is fully engineering mindset. So what I do is that I try to take each, let's say, problem. For example, a winery that is a small winery, a family business, biodynamic in France, wants me to communicate something. So I try to break down everything that they give me and I try to find the best communicating solution for the problem. So I do that either as a wine ambassador through my social pages or behind the scenes because I also have my own agency. So I work both in front, you know, of the lines and also behind the scenes. And how long have you been doing the behind the scenes, the agency stuff? Has that been like, was it once your account got big enough and your awareness or was it as soon as you finished your studies, that's what you started? No, I started, I started the account in 2017. When I finished my studies, I moved to New Zealand and I worked there for a year because I wanted to gain experience in the new world communication because I think that I try to marry these two things. So I have an old 
world heritage and old world culture. But at the same time, I'm really new world driven in the way that I try to communicate things. So I moved there for a year. And in 2019, I decided to come back in Europe and start my own thing. So it's two years now that it's uh, fully, fully working. And so when you interact with these wine brands, do they usually reach out to you or do you reach out to them? How does that interaction normally work? It depends. Most of the times they contact me, but also there are brands that I really love and I really admire. And sometimes I also make the contact. So it's both ways. And what's their normal interest or business proposition for you? So it really depends on the winery. Smaller wineries, usually they want to to work with me as an ambassador, but traveling to their property. So I do a lot of wine traveling to communicate the properties, the wine tourism, the stories of the people. The bigger brands, because, you know, they are already established, etc. Most of the times they would like to do, let's say, a wine placement. So they would like me to communicate a label or a project. But again, it depends. For example, the last year, I had two great collaborations with really big brands. One was uh, Zonin, Zonin Wines in Italy. So with this winery, for example, we did uh, a coverage of a very important event they do every year that they invite sommeliers from around the world. And they want them to experience for a full week the gastronomy, the wines, the property, they want them to really feel the region and the area. And they wanted me to work as uh, the ambassador of this event. And another very, very important project for me this year, again with a, with a big brand, was the creation of the limited edition M from Chateau Minuti. I don't know if you, if you also saw yeah, this Yeah, I saw, uh, yeah, the painting of the bottles with those two artists. Mm-hmm. That, was, uh, that was really cool. That was amazing. So... That was, again, a different style of project. So I was working more on the marketing slash communication slash ambassador kind of partner. So it really depends on what the winery wants to do. And I'm also proactive. So they might have an idea in mind. And because I have this marketing mindset, I always brainstorm things and add things so as to, to have a more, let's say, complete project. Because my goal... It's all about giving value to each winery that I work with. So for me, it doesn't matter the brand. It really matters the project. And it really matters for me to bring value to every winery that wants to work with me. And so in terms of your business, how much of your business is visiting and posting on your wine.genie account versus the behind the scenes communications with like things like Minuti that are that are really kind of that are really like more of a typical like social media PR agency. So how would you break down that business? Like how much is on each side of that business. You mean how I spend my, how much of my time I spend in each? Either time or how, in terms of even how important is each section? Like, yeah, I guess time is probably the best. I mean, Peter, you have any thoughts in terms of, I think time is probably the best. Time or revenue percent split, something like that, I guess. Mm. So both of the projects are very new for me. As I told you, it's, uh, it's something that I do for the last two years. So I think that in the entrepreneurship, let's say side, I'm very young and it's, all, it's not something that I had in my family. So I try to be everywhere. 
for the time being, I tried to split my time 50% and 50%, but it was also the coronavirus situation this year that I had no travels at all. So it was more 50-50 of my time. And I'm curious how many Greek wineries are reaching out because as a person who enjoys Greek wine, they don't necessarily have the best market penetration in many other markets outside of Greece, but it's in the pronunciation and all that stuff. Like there's a lot of effort that could be happening for those wineries to help market. So because you're a Greek national, do you work a lot with Greek wineries? I work with Greek wineries, but behind the scenes. So for a Greek winery, it's more important to establish a brand first and then to communicate it. Because again, influencing marketing is something very new for the Greek wineries, and they mostly invent in the traditional marketing. I think that it will take more time for them to understand what I'm doing. So I work with wineries, with Greek wineries, but behind the scenes, mostly. And because I'm getting, let's say, approached by the younger generation, so people in their 30s that they now take over with family wineries, they understand what I'm doing. So they contact me. When you work with wineries or other wine brands, I don't know if you work with retailers or importers, distributors, things like that, and they engage you on a project, what are the usual metrics or measures of success? So what they ask for me. What they ask or how do they measure when the project is done? How do they know this was successful? Mm. So most of the people who want to work with me is because they want to gain greater brand awareness. So the brands want to see how many people were reached, how many people, how many impressions, let's say, we had, how many people visited their website, etc. And they don't really ask me to sell things, you know, but Got they it. want me to really illustrate their brand. Got it. Okay, so it's more about conveying either about their products or their brand messaging, behind, the story behind their products that they're exactly. really reaching out to you. And then also, <laughs> if they're working with your with you doing an ambassador, you're, they're hoping to gain the awareness of your community as well. Mm-hmm. Of course, of course. I mean, they get exposed to a really niche audience from around the world. And not only wine lovers, because a great part from my audience is wine professionals. So there are many, many people from the education, from the hospitality, there are importers, exporters. So they get a really, really good community to get their message out there. So what's the profile of someone who follows you? I'm sure you've looked into this a lot because you have to talk about it with your partners. What age, gender, location? Can you give us a little breakdown? Mm-hmm. So the main audience is based in US. Then it's uh, UK, France. Italy, Germany, Canada, and Brazil. I think these these are the main audiences. And the age is between 25 and 50. And what about male, female? It's half and half. Oh, really? Okay. Mm -hmm. We laughed and smiled at Brazil because we've heard that come up a lot recently. (laughs) Speaking with other wine influencers, Brazilians love wine Instagram, I guess. Yeah. It's a big uh, big community. uh, yeah, everybody I've talked to, Brazil is a big constituent in their uh, following. Well, there's a lot of people and they're uh, mostly at home now. So they, <laughs> they, need to, they need some content and media to consume. So what are some of the ways that you grew your following? You have the engineering background and I'm sure you've deconstructed it. It would be interesting to understand what you learned through that deconstruction. There are many, many things, you know, <laughs> many, really many things that you can discuss about that. But... As I told you, I started in 2017. The algorithm 
in Instagram was way different compared to 2019, 2020. So in 2017, you could gain 100 followers per day easily. So this means that you could grow like crazy. So I started in the time that Instagram started to grow. It was the period that a lot of people were using bots. A lot of people were buying followers. So Instagram started to ban many accounts. But it was the moment that if you were posting relevant content and if you were feeding, let's say, Instagram, Instagram was rewarding. So at this point, I started experimenting with my content. So I started posting more pictures of myself. It wasn't just about the wine. It wasn't just about the vineyards, the bottles. For me, it was about the storytelling. So people started to get more acquainted with me. And I started also having a personal style. So people would identify that this is my picture. And I started, let's say, building without understanding it a brand. So I was also, you know, traveling the world. I was a a young woman, you know, doing something, let's say, very special. So it was a whole thing, I think, that in a year gave me 40,000 followers, which is a lot. And then so how did that change in 2019 and to today? It's right now, it's super difficult. I mean, if you want to build a community, especially in wine, I think that it's becoming something like the beauty industry, like the fashion industry which is nice. I mean, it's nice in terms that each person wants to communicate his own wine experience, that they feel that it's not something that is addressed, you know, to a small cliche, you know, community, which is very nice. But right now, because Instagram is filled of accounts, not just wine, but there is so much traffic every day. I think that there is one million of users every day or more, I don't remember. So right now it's super, super difficult to grow organically. So you need to do a lot of advertising or you need to be super niche, super special in your field, or you just post, you know, bikini, (laughs) bikini photos, (laughs) or you post your abs if you're a guy or you're Madonna. I'm I'm not sure anyone wants to see Robert or my abs. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Or me in a bikini for that matter. (laughs) No, no. I, uh, I, so, so in your journey of figuring out what works, have you, and obviously the algorithms changed over the years, have you made mistakes that are things that are still valid, like so that you could tell people don't do this? I know I've, when I've been growing my account, I've definitely made mistakes. I was wondering if you could share a little bit about like things that like, Hey, don't do this people, like just so that you could give them advice. Mm. So a lot of people follow people and then they unfollow them, for example. Or they try to follow their um, their account, focusing on the wrong audience. So they might interact with accounts that they're not of great value for them, just to gain audience. But in the end, because I get I get this question a lot, you know, how can I grow my following? For me, it's not about growing your following, really. It's about having a quality audience, about having a niche audience. It's about producing content that you also like. So sometimes you get in this tricky situation and you think that you need to post things that people will like. So you get in this point that you don't enjoy anymore what you're doing. So for me, social media is first about doing something that you love 
And don't think always about how you're going to make money out of it. So don't think about it first as a business. Think about how you can produce content of value to the people. So maybe your content could be something informative or something that it's funny or something that it's helpful. So don't really stick on how I can gain more followers. How can I gain more likes? It's more about creating something unique. It's about expressing your personality. And sometimes people forget that. So you see always copycats and everything is the same. So I would say stick in your personality. Don't really try to be like someone else. That's great advice. So in terms of your content, when you think about what resonates for your audience, like how do you break it down? How do you, when you, after you do a post, how do you know that this post was successful for your audience? And I'm assuming that you're looking at this and kind of refining it over time. So, you know, you have a couple different either formats or styles that kind of works because your photos are always quite unique, but they all have a style that's, you know, Georgia's style. So how I measure success? Yeah, from your own personal content. So content that you're posting that you want to know, like, hey, did this was my thought, my creative outlet for this post? Did this work for my audience? You know what I have noticed? That when I put less effort, I have, I have better results. So when you think about it a lot, it's always like that because social media need to be more spontaneous. So when you really think about your content, then... People receive it as something more, uh, not pretentious, but you know, more, um, I don't know how to explain it. Maybe it feels more like an advertisement to people versus like a personal Maybe, content. yes, maybe. I know that people really, really love the winery reports that I do around the world. This is something that people really like. People really enjoy all my visits in the wine cellars. I think I have <laughs> a huge selection of wine sellers that I'm, you know, just there drinking wine. This is one of my, my most successful style of, of content. So people love, love seeing me in cellars. They love seeing me traveling and visiting uh, wineries. And they also really like the wine reports, let's say. But I always try, when I try wines, I try to make it again more easy for people. So I like that my audience is entertained from my content and it's not getting, let's say, intimidated. But I try to measure, as you said, I try to measure success from the engagement, from the comments. I receive also from how many people shared my content. And of course, if people also text me back, so they send me, you know, messages and they tell me if they enjoyed or something like that. So for me, it's about really the interaction with the audience, not so much the numbers. It's about if people are engaged in general. So one of the things I've always thought about with content, it's if you are doing, as what you said, like following your passions, you're essentially training your audience to understand what kind of content you're going to be making. But if other people kind of just post the bikini photo and see that that works really well, then they're going to post a lot of bikini photos and then their audience is training them. And I was wondering, how do you think about that in terms of like, how do you how do you fight that? Because it's a natural inkling. Like, oh, that post got X more likes or X more comments or X more DMs. How do you fight that urge to just do the things that you know will work? The good thing with my account is that I never post bikini photos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that about your account. <laughs> so really, no, I have this... Look, unfortunately, we live in a society that it's still very sexist. You know what I mean? Yes. And for me, from the beginning, it was something that I needed to overcome. So I knew that I was young, I was a woman, I was just beginning my journey in wine. And at the same time, I wanted to succeed. So sometimes 
you have these ideas in mind that maybe they're not correct because in my opinion, you can do whatever you want with your body. You can post whatever you like. You know, you can post the bikini photos, you can post whatever you want and it's your right. But as I told you, I think that wine industry is still a conservative industry. And also it wasn't my urge to post, let's say, a bikini photo, (laughs) but it's about the branding that you want to do. So for me, it wasn't about talking about the wine through something that I know that it's provocative and it's easy, but it's more about winning over the people with my personality and winning over the people with my dreams. Because for me, it was really about taking the people with on a journey with me and believing in me and what I want to do. So it was about people thinking about me as a woman, as a personality, as someone who knows about what she's doing and not about her abs, abs and <laughs> her bikini. Yeah, I didn't mean right. to imply that you that you did that. I was just I was just saying no, that no, no. a lot of people, yeah, 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 that sometimes people kind of get I feel like some other content creators get stuck in this trap and it stops them from actually doing the content that they really want to share with their audience. And I feel like that's a trap that a lot of people get stuck into. This is why I told you before that it's very easy for someone to post things that they see that they're very engaging and this is how you get copycats. So if you tell me, you know, which person I remember, let's say from Passionistas, maybe there are two or three because everyone is the same. And it's also about the wine. I mean, to be successful, you don't need to put your abs, you know, out there. I mean, if you are original, if you are funny, if you are someone who has something useful to share with the audience, and if your content is original, you will succeed without having 100,000 followers, without having... 10,000 followers, but you will get your niche. And, you know, the micro influencers, they can be super successful. But it's about really creating a unique identity. And it sounds like people have really enjoyed and engaged with your outward identity. Can you just help us understand a bit how that parlayed into the back-end support you do for wineries? So what, what do they ask you for help with the most? So most of the wineries, they have the problem to communicate their work. So a winery is full of life. There are so many things happening, you know, each season or every day. Also, you know, the wine personalities, they're so lively. They're so unique. There is a lot of uh, idiosyncratic temperament in everyone. But at the same time, these people normally have an agriculture background and also, they have so many things to do. For them, the most important thing is to sell their wines. And to really sell wine, you need to build relations with people. So they need to travel. They need to be in dinners. They need to be in the winery, in the vineyard. They need to train people. So they really don't have time to communicate their wines. Or at the same time, if they try to do it, they don't know how. So... This is why I think that the wineries need to understand the importance of professionals who know about wine and who know about digital. This is a very new industry, I know, and for the older generation of uh, winemakers, is something that they don't understand yet, but it's of great, great value. So the wineries who want to work with me, they want me to help them build a story, build a strategy, because social media is a constant dialogue with your audience. It's the best way to reach your final consumer. So it's B2C, the best way possible. So you can build a really loyal clientele if you know how to do it right. So this is what most of the wineries want 
they want to get the right message out there. That's great. So when we ask every guest on, we always end with a, a section in our wrap up. We ask, what is a lasting trend and a fizzling fad in relation to wine and social media? The most important, the most trendy, the hottest thing right now is videos. So what I try to do is to make wineries realize the importance of creating videos so they can make small videos in the winery, in the vineyard, with the people who work with them or with themselves. If they do more lives, more YouTube videos, it's a very easy content. It doesn't need a lot of effort. You don't have to be a director or something. And it's a type of content that the users consume very easily and they love it. And you can create really, really good uh, connections with your audience. So if you are on uh, Facebook, do some Facebook lives. If you are on Instagram, upload a video or do an IG live. And if you are more trendy, why don't you try some TikToks? Video is the future and the algorithm also benefits a lot videos. Yes, uh, I've seen that as well. And so trend is content should be driving towards videos because videos are getting more and more important across all platforms, not just Instagram. In terms of a fad, that something that you think is that's happening right now, but you don't think will stick, it's something that will fizzle out. What do you think is a fad? I think that wineries should stop. I think that wineries should give more importance in the faces, in the stories, in what is behind the labels in their storytelling and talk to the audience less about the awards. Really, the awards is something that the consumers, I wouldn't say they don't care about, but I don't think that it's a type, it's a type of content that people really care anymore. I don't think that people really care about also the super detailed critics about wines. So I think that it's more about the emotional marketing and less about the super technical. And I understand totally that, you know, a winemaker or someone who creates a wine from the beginning, who understands totally the whole procedure and he feels totally connected with his product, but sometimes he enters in this trap, let's say, and he wants to communicate everything in detail. But this is not something that will really make the audience moved. And I have seen that because I have worked with many wineries and people care more about the emotional part. So I would say invest more on that. Great. Well, Georgia, thank you for your time. This has been really insightful to hear, you know, one of the leaders in this digital space is doing in terms of communication with wineries. I think a lot of wineries will and brands will find this talk very valuable. I want to thank you for your time. Thank you so much. I'm very, very happy that I exchanged my view with you. I hope I wasn't, you know, talking a lot. <laughs> But this is what I love, you know. I love sharing my knowledge with people. Perfect. Great Thank insights. you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. If you loved this episode of X Chateau, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, Shame. cheers.